Hi everyone and welcome to the Israel Podcast, the podcast for people who want to actually understand what is going on in Israeli politics. I'm your host, Avishai Ben Sasson Gordis, and if you're a regular listener, welcome back. I'm glad to have you here. And if this is your first time here, welcome. Let me tell you a bit about myself so we can feel comfortable together. I'm an Israeli, currently living in the U.S. with my family while I'm getting a Ph.D. in political theory. Back in Israel, I was security and foreign policy analyst. I worked with politicians and decision makers. And like you, I am also a political junkie. This week's episode is going to be covering a lot of ground. We've got major developments in both Netanyahu's investigations and a big political crisis that is likely to lead Israel into an elections. So when it rains, it pours. Netanyahu woke up this week in Washington, where he is at the APEC policy conference, and also for meeting with President Trump, he woke up to news that one of his closest confidants, I seem to be saying these lines a lot, has turned on him, flipped, and is now working with the police to incriminate him and his wife. Um, the person in, in question this time is a guy called Neil Chifetz. He was the Netanyahu's personal gopher for media affairs and also all sorts of other shady business. And apparently he is now willing to provide the police with recordings of the Netanyahu's, possibly of Salah Netanyahu, Bibi Netanyahu's wife, um, that would incriminate them in the various stories in which they are implicated. This follows another confidant of Netanyahu's flipping about two weeks ago, a guy called Shlomo Filbeu, who headed the communications department when Netanyahu was still the minister. And, and slightly afterwards, he is suspect of providing or was suspected in providing Bezik Israel's telecommunications monopoly uh, with a lot of benefits. The figure of one billion shekel is thrown around and he agreed to testify against Netanyahu as turned state witness and together with Netanyahu's former chief of staff, a guy called Ari Harrow, three of Netanyahu's former confidants are now state witnesses in return for some sort of legal amnesty. This led the general attorney to approve the police to investigate Netanyahu and his wife in parallel before they left for the U.S. last week. And this is a big move because before the general attorney would not approve this, and the concern was that the Netanyahu's were possibly coordinating their testimonies. Now this couldn't be done because the two were investigated in parallel. So just as a short recap, Netanyahu is currently investigated and suspect in three different cases. The first is case 1000, where he is suspect of providing billionaires with certain benefits in return for about a million shekel worth of cigars and champagne. And case 2000, in which there are recordings of Netanyahu and the publisher of Israel's second largest newspaper coordinating some sort of business deal in which Netanyahu would curtail the publishing of a freely distributed newspaper paid for by the American billionaire Sheldon Adelson in return for positive coverage in that other newspaper called Yediot Achonot. And then we have case 4000, in which Netanyahu is suspect of providing that same telecommunications monopoly with great benefits in return for positive coverage, really positive coverage. Texts have come out to the level of specificity of control that the Netanyahu's um, wielded over a news website held by the same owner or c controlling shareholder of Bezik, a guy called Shaul Elovich, an, an Israeli billionaire. So Elovich would allegedly force the editors at Wallen News that he owned to cover up stories that were unflattering to the Netanyahu's and, and highlight stories that 
portrayed them in a positive light in return for major regulatory reliefs that were worth millions and millions of shekels for him personally and probably even more to companies that he owned or held some controlling share of. This does not yet mean, though, that Netanyahu is going to jail. It's unlikely that he won't be indicted at this point, but it will take a long time for the criminal procedure to exhaust itself. And according to Israeli law, a prime minister is not required to resign or is not kicked out of office until his his verdict becomes final. His coalition partners, Netanyahu's coalition partners, have as of yet been unwilling to force him out of office. They have some tools, though limited, to do that if he insists on holding on to his position and if his party lets him stay in power, which currently seems to be the case. Netanyahu has been very successful in creating a really strong personal following, not just among Likud voters, though mostly, but among the Israeli right in general, they believe that he can't be replaced. And should he be replaced, there is a great risk that the left will rise to power. I doubt that given the current state of the Israeli left, but that's apparently what they believe. So all of this happened over the past two weeks, and I didn't even mention the outrageous statements by some of Netanyahu's supporters in the Knesset and in the government. Um, And I didn't even mention stories that came to to the surface um, implicating the judiciary in Israel and stories that are less than kosher. And this would have been enough, but then we are seem to be heading towards elections in Israel. So we'll take a short break. I'll tell you a couple of short things. I'll keep you up to date, and then we'll come back and I'll talk about the elections. Besides Netanyahu, we have several things to watch this week. In Gaza, the humanitarian situation is not getting better. And despite the fact that nobody is interested in the area combusting, there's still some concern around what's happening there. On the other end of the Palestinian arena, the Palestinian Authority is being pressured by the U.S. to return into negotiations with Israel, while President Trump is moving forward with his idea of moving the embassy, the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem in the period surrounding Israel's 70th, in the period surrounding Israel's 70th Independence Day coming this May. He may even come to visit. He left that open. Minister of Justice, conservative Ayelet Shakid from the Jewish Home Party, religious Jewish Home Party, has been successful in pushing through an appointment for the Supreme Court of a judge called Alex Stein. He was a former Israeli who lived in the U.S. for the past 15 years and apparently is very conservative and has very, very um, critical opinions of judicial activism in Israel's Supreme Court. This is part of Shaked's move to try and undo what's called the Constitutional Revolution in the 1990s that passed a lot of power for judicial review into the hands of the Supreme Court. Finally, in Meretz, Israel's leftmost Zionist party, things are heating up. They're going to have elections in the party for premiership for the first time ever with open primaries, Thousands of people have signed up to vote, and it seems like a young-ish member of Knesset, a woman called Tamar Zandberg, is set to win the elections. Facing off against her is Avi Buskila, who led the peace organization Shalom Akhshah for the past few years. Buskila is an openly gay Mizrahi man who got a commendation for preventing Jewish terrorism in the city of Hebron many years ago. But right now, he seems less likely to win the elections. 
Let's get back to the show. So I said elections might be rearing their head again, and this time the reason is a standoff between coalition parties surrounding the ultra-Orthodox draft into the military. Several months ago, last year, the Supreme Court struck down a law that was supposed to promise some recruitment of the ultra-Orthodox into the military and task the government and the Knesset with offering a different bill that would accord with the principle of equality, given that, as of now, ultra-Orthodox men and women generally do not serve in the military. The ultra-Orthodox want to prevent this from happening and are trying to pass a bill quickly this week and next week before the Knesset goes to its Passover break that would effectively exempt the ultra-Orthodox from service altogether. Of course, other coalition parties are not happy about this, mostly Israel Beitenu, Lieberman's party, um, which tends to be somewhat anti-religious, and Kahlon's party, supported as it is by many in Israel's middle class. The reason the ultra-Orthodox are trying to pass the bill right now is that next week the Knesset is supposed to vote on a two-year budget, after which political extortion is going to become much more difficult since the pork barrels will basically be doled out already. Kahlon and Lieberman are unwilling to let the bill proposed by the ultra-Orthodox pass, and the ultra-Orthodox are not willing to vote for the budget if they don't get what they want. And unless somebody, probably Netanyahu, intervenes to head this off, the coalition will fall apart under its own pressures and the feeling by all of its members that they can extort whatever they want from a weak Netanyahu, and we'll be seeing elections within the next few months. There are two members of the coalition that I haven't talked about yet in regards to this. The first is Naftali Bennett, the head of the National Religious Party. He seems to be concerned with the prospect of elections. Given that the major issue in any elections called now will be Netanyahu's investigations, he will have to choose between distancing himself from Netanyahu and possibly paying a price within the right-wing base, very loyal to Netanyahu, as I mentioned, or being wiped out by Netanyahu, who will suck in all the votes by claiming that he needs support to battle the police and the left, etc., etc. Which brings us to Netanyahu, the most important player in all of this, and the question is, does he want elections now? So on the con side, it's an unexpected risk going into an election with all of this hanging over his head. If he loses a snap election, he'll be forced to deal with the police, not from the comfort of the prime minister's residence, but as a regular citizen, well-connected and powerful nonetheless, but still a citizen. So that's on the con side. On the pro side, he's got a very strong base that seems loyal to him now even more so than before the stories broke out. He will want legitimization, relegitimization heading into the investigations to keep him and to keep the momentum going for him to serve until the courts reach final decision in his cases. And the timing would be opportune because elections called now will coincide with Israel's 70th anniversary and with the moving of the American embassy to Jerusalem, two big political wins and moments of political symbolism that he could probably cash on as prime minister and as the most visible figure in Israeli politics. The polls show the left growing marginally, mostly Yair Lapid's Yeshatid overtaking Avi Gabay's labor-slash-Zionist camp, as it is called now, um, calling Yair Lapid left as a controversial statement, but even so, the center-left seems to be marginally growing, but not growing enough to block 
a right-wing coalition that seems to be holding strong according to the polls. As I mentioned earlier, Netanyahu in polls seems to be holding strong at about 29 seats from 120 for the Likud. Now they stand on 31. And the Jewish home, the National Religious Party, is losing some of its votes back to Netanyahu. Right now, my gut feeling is that Netanyahu is going to go for elections. It seems like the ultra-Orthodox will join him after such elections. It seems like Bennett will be forced to come in even if he was cannibalized throughout the election process, as will Lieberman and Kahlon, who will find it hard to survive outside the government. But this is just a gut feeling. We'll know more within a week. It's not going to be a long, drawn-out decision-making process. What is going to be a long, drawn-out and possibly very ugly process is Netanyahu's indictment and legal proceedings because Netanyahu seems determined to take down with him everyone around him, including the media, his longtime foe, the judiciary, the police, the investigative branch of the Justice Department. So all these authorities will be taken down and trust will be eroded in the process. Some will say justly so, possibly among Netanyahu's supporters. Uh, But nonetheless, this is going to be long and painful. So what's the takeaway from this week's episode? One, Netanyahu will probably be indicted. There's too much at this point for it not to happen. Two, he might call an election before, which he is actually likely to win and thereby get another few years of political oxygen and legal oxygen. And we'll know within a week or two whether or not we're actually headed to elections and whether or not Netanyahu feels confident enough to risk everything with such an election. He tends to be risk-averse in this way, trying to build a coalition before he even goes to elections. Um, This will all be decided very quickly. Keep a watch out. I'll keep you posted. And in the meantime, I'd love for you to go on the podcast's Medium website, medium.com slash the Israel podcast, or just go on SoundCloud or iTunes, listen to the other episodes, rate them. Your rating, the podcast, helps other people find it. And hit me up on Facebook or Twitter. I'm available at Avishai BSG. It's Avishai with a Y on Twitter and just my personal Facebook page or the podcast Facebook page and continue the conversation there. So stay safe and have a great weekend. See you again in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.